The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. After the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. The church calendar officially does not celebrate New Year's as the secular calendar does. But we have a number of celebrations of this time of year in the 12 days of Christmas that remind us of the time of renewal and transition. Several of them are about martyrdom and death. The first feast that we observe is the day right after Christmas, the day we commemorate Stephen, the first martyr and deacon. Two days later, we commemorate the Holy Innocents. Those are the firstborn who were killed by Herod after he had heard from the wise men from the east that the king of the Jews was to be born in Bethlehem. Now, the facts are these. We don't have any third-hand historical record of that particular event, but we have a lot of third-hand historical information that Herod was paranoid and bloodthirsty. We know from the historical record that he had two of his own sons strangled because he feared that they were trying to subvert his reign. Herod was an interloper, if you like, a kind of pretend king. He was an Idumean from south of Israel, and he had married a Hasmonean princess in order to get himself aligned with the tradition of the Maccabees. And then he went to Rome and he made appeals to the imperial government there 
to support him in his claim to become the next king of Israel. And so Herod had taken his throne with a Roman occupation behind him. That was the foundation of his rule. Herod did many things in his time. He built beautiful palaces, he expanded the temple, but he was also known to be bloodthirsty, to always be looking over his shoulder. He knew, I think, in his heart of hearts that he was a bit of an imposter. Matthew gives us the quickest glimpse into the understanding of Jesus being born into the midst of a reign such as that. And just to be clear, Herod would leave a legacy that would come back to haunt Jesus as an adult. It's Herod's grandson, I believe, Herod Antipas, who was king of Galilee when Jesus began his public ministry some 30 years later. And that is the Herod we hear mentioned later in the Gospels in the passion narratives, when he gets involved with the Roman governor, Pilate, in Jerusalem. Matthew gives us this story because Matthew has a different birth narrative than Luke does. If you remember Luke's story that we hear during the Christmas pageant and at Christmas time, Mary and Joseph begin in Nazareth and they go to Bethlehem because a census is called throughout the Roman Empire. And then they return home. Matthew tells the story from a different perspective, and that is the belief that Mary and Joseph dwelt in Bethlehem to begin with. And Jesus was born there. And Matthew was the one who tells us about the coming of the Magi, that we will recount this coming Wednesday, the Feast of the Epiphany. Matthew is writing for an early Christian audience, probably made up of mostly Jewish Christians, living in Antioch shortly after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. It's important for us to understand that Matthew is not just trying to figure out how to get Jesus in a narrative way from Bethlehem to Nazareth. Matthew is also recapitulating the Exodus story the story of a people who began in Egypt. In fact, the ancient story, the story of Genesis, is that Jacob's family ends up going to Egypt to escape famine in the land of Canaan. And there they multiply and later are enslaved by Pharaoh. And then they are liberated under the leadership of Moses by their God. So there is that sense that Matthew wants the Holy Family, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus to recapitulate that journey of their people. But there is also another subtext which is even more important for us in these days when so many things around us are being shaken to their very foundations and things that we thought were solid are quaking. How many of you were awakened by the earthquake on Wednesday morning? We were, even at the rectory. 
happily the structural elements that were being put in place here at Church of Our Savior to preserve our nave were already in place before the earthquake hit. But our junior warden just had to check. She emailed me and says, everything's still okay. I hope everything is still all right at the church. Indeed, it was. But we also know in our larger political life that things are being shaken right now. This week is going to sorely test some of our most treasured democratic institutions as a nation. And many of us watch that, uncertain of the outcome. Even though the pundits tell us how it's going to unfold, we know at some level a question mark is being placed at things that we thought were solid and sure. This was true for Matthew's community as well, living in Antioch in the latter part of the first century. The temple had been destroyed. The foundations of their tradition as Jewish Christians had been completely swept away by the Romans. And there was nothing left except these stories that they told about the person they believed was their Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Matthew wanted to assure them that Christ was born in a world like theirs, where the foundations were constantly being shaken where tyrants were ruling in many places, including in Israel itself, and no one could be sure of their lives or livelihoods from one day to the next. It's that reminder, too, that Matthew gives us and has given Christians over the centuries in the face of pandemics, in the face of political and economic uncertainties, in times where the very foundations of what we thought was sure and the places we thought we could stand were being shaken. Above all else, Matthew is reminding us that the incarnation itself, God among us, is a fragile project. It's that fragility that Matthew wants us to understand, that God wants us to understand. It's that fragility that is necessary. Why? Because it reminds us that God does not participate in the schemes of human power and in the paranoid machinations of those who cling to it so tightly. God is coming to us with humility, in a place of self-emptying, in those places of vulnerability in our lives, in those places even that we find shameful, that we dare not share with even some of our closest friends and neighbors, that's where Jesus is coming to us. That's where the Christ is going to touch us first. People the world over who keep the faith through trying times learn this about the foundations of Christianity, the foundations of the incarnation, the foundations of Christmas tide. That in the face of death 
and darkness and the exercise of powers of this world, God has come among us and is setting up a dwelling in our midst. And rather than putting our trust in all the things that are temporary and are passing away, as all the powers of this world do, we are to put our trust in this tiny child, a promise given to us and to all creation from before time. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Bill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.